0: This morning, uh, we are beginning something new. Um, once a month, we're going to have a memory verse that, as a church, we're going to be memorizing together. Okay, so uh, as I speak, I hope you have your memory verse. If you don't have your memory verse, it's on the table right here in the din- in the chapel. With the, the elements, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. If you don't have your Lord's Supper kit this morning, I would ask that you just dismiss yourself from where you're seating right now and go back and pick up uh, uh, a Lord's Supper element as well as a memory verse card because uh, we're going to be memorizing this verse in the month of November. And uh, the verse that we memorize as a church... Uh, I am going to be preaching on that verse. I'll be preaching on the context of that verse. And so this morning it's on Thanksgiving, given the fact that uh, this is the month of Thanksgiving. And speaking of Thanksgiving, um, Janelle Gregory has put together a display in the dining hall. And uh, there's post-it notes on a table. And if you have something that you are thinking, Thankful for. I want to encourage you to take one of those post-it notes. You can use multiple post-it notes, and just post um, what you are thankful for. You don't have to put your name on it, but let's just fill that display up of uh, of all that we are grateful God is doing in our lives. Amen. And I know He's doing amazing things in your life. God is faithful, and uh, we're going to be looking at this verse of. Uh, giving thanks this morning. So wanted you to take advantage of that. And uh, so hopefully now we all have our Lord's Supper kit. We're ready for our service. And uh, before we get into our memory verse, I just want to say thank you as well, church, for the great job you did at Harvest Festival uh, Monday night. It was a great outreach. We didn't have any hiccups as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we had lots of smiling faces and uh, what a blessing you were what we were to our community thank you for your gift of uh candy we had plenty of candy that night and uh um yeah and and those who served in game booths as well i know uh that can be exhausting at times but uh, thank you for for your sacrifice and your service ministry to to our community job well done and we need to thank Nathan for having led us in this ministry. So let's give him a round of applause as well. He did a great job. I sent him an email this morning with a gift, but uh, sorry, Nathan, I don't have any flowers for you this morning to to show my appreciation. But uh, I hope you know that I appreciate all that uh, that you did for us in, in leading us in the in the harvest festival. And then one other note. Is uh, This Thursday is um, Veterans Day, and uh, as you know, Ralph Smith passed away uh, a week ago. I think it was a week ago last uh, Friday, and uh, and so his service is going to be at 10 o'clock. Now, uh, don't confuse uh, the message that Janelle sent out. Uh, She sent it out accurately, but you might think that it begins at 11 o'clock. It's on the 11th. It's on Veterans Day. But the service is going to be at 10, and it's going to be over on Graff Street. All right? So I uh, uh, want to encourage you to be supportive of that. And um, there will be um, graveside, and then we'll be coming back here for a reception afterward. But continue to pray for the family in regards to Ralph's uh, going home. All right. Well, let's bring up the memory verse this morning, okay? I, I have a confession to make. The card that you have in your hand is not complete. The second part of verse 2 is not on here. It was overlooked, okay? So actually, we didn't want to overwhelm you with all, both verses. And So we have verse A of uh, verse 2 up here this morning. But uh, I no, actually, this is the correct verse. It's just wrong on the card. So you'll get a new card next week. But this is from the English Standard Version, and I would like for us to uh, repeat this together. And uh, we're going to be memorizing the, this verse all month long. And so as we put the verse on the screen, screen, screen in weeks ahead, we'll be leaving out key words, okay, so that hopefully uh, you are memorizing this verse, and by the end of the month, you've got this verse down. OK, so I want you to be memorizing it. If you have children, I want you to be memorizing this verse with your children. And uh, by this time next year, we will have uh, 12 different passages, passages of Scripture memorized. Now, as we're memorizing these verses and the verses that we're going to choose uh, in the months ahead, they're going to reflect the mission of our church, and what God has called us to accomplish. But this morning, we're going to be focusing on thankfulness. And so let's read this verse together. If you're at home watching by Facebook, uh, you quote it out loud as well. But this is the verse, Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Okay, so be memorizing that verse. And we're going to be looking at this verse and the context of this verse this morning in Psalm 107. I want you to raise your hands if you have experienced God's deliverance before. Raise your hand. Raise them high that I can see them. Okay? Hopefully we are all raising our hands. For God has delivered all of us. Okay? So we all need to be um, memorizing and quoting this verse because we have much to be grateful for. And that's what Psalm 107 is all about. Psalm 107 is a testimony of God's goodness and mercy to Israel. But God has not only been good to them, but church, he has been good to us. And as we look at uh, this uh, psalm this morning... Um, verses 4 through 32 speak of his continued deliverance. And uh, we're going to be looking at four different uh pictures that the psalmist has painted for us this morning of how God has delivered his people and how God continues to deliver his people. And so this is verses 4 through 32. And then verses 33 through 42, uh, we see God's response to man's obedience as well as his disobedience uh, in this journey that we are on with the Lord. And then in verse 43, we see wisdom, wisdom in observing and understanding the loving kindness of the Lord. So as you're memorizing verses 1 and 2 this month, may you understand the context of verse of uh, Psalm 107. He is our deliverer, and the redeemed of the Lord must say so. And so as we look at this verse this morning, I want us to uh, see first... The steadfast love of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good; for His steadfast love endures forever. When we look at that word "steadfast," it is the Hebrew word "hesed," and it is not a sentimental love in in reference to God. It is um, His. The core essence of who God is. He is steadfast love. And His, his love, His steadfast love, is as core as His, his holiness and His forgiveness and His righteousness and all the other attributes that we know about God. One's not more important than the other. They are all important, but in this passage of Scripture, the psalmist is focusing on God's steadfast love. It is abounding. Millions have received his steadfast love. And it is, church, never exhausted. Okay, there's a a member of our church this morning that needs to hear these words. God's steadfast love for them never runs dry. It is always available. It is unfailing. It will never leave you it will never forsake you. Do you know God to be that in your life? His steadfast love is, is ever enduring. It endures forever. Now, the steadfast this steadfast love, it's not based. Upon your significance. It is based totally upon his grace. On his character. God said this to the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses 7 and 8. God said the Lord did not set you his affection on you. And choose you. Because you are more numerous than other people's. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. You are a Christian this morning, friend, because God chose you. God selected you. God loved you. It's not, it's not based upon any of our significance. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. He says this: "But God chose, chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise; God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low" Lo, and despise in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God's steadfast love for you is because God loved you first, period. Period. Not only is it not based on your significance, but it's not based upon your merit. <laughs> God's steadfast love was for you while you were still his enemy. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love, shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, not of your own works. It is completely the grace of God. This is God's steadfast love for you. And nothing, no one, not even yourself can separate you from that love that is in Christ Jesus. So it's not based on our significance. His steadfast love isn't based upon our merit. Number three, there is no time limit to this steadfast love. It endures forever, verse one. And then finally, but not exhaustive, is his love allows you, us, to be heard through prayer. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, 149. Hear my voice in accordance with your love. And so Psalm 107 is about deliverance. And uh, we're going to see four word pictures this morning from the psalmist. And in each one of these word pictures, it ends in a word of prayer. <laughs> Actually, a cry. A cry for help. And according to his steadfast love, he hears your pleas. He hears your cry for help. And I know that there are people watching on Facebook this morning that are crying out to the Lord for help. And he is going to deliver them. He is there for them. Because this is his nature. This is his character. And it endures forever. Forever. So what are these things? Four word pictures. The first word picture we see is in the for the desert wanderer. And so some of you, we probably identify with this one since we all live in the desert. But let's look at verses uh, four through seven to begin with. Some wandered in desert wastes finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. This is a, this is, most likely a post-exile um, psalm. This was uh, written after the children of Israel had been in Babylon in captivity for 70 years. They've come back to Jerusalem. And these desert wanderers are probably being described as those when Jerusalem fell. Um, some didn't go to Babylon. Babylon and they were, forced, they were removed from Jerusalem, and they wandered in uh, the desert. And it's described as a desert waste. I think we can identify with that, can't we? As we drive through the desert and we look at the landscape, not at the horizon, the, high, the horizon's beautiful, but if we just look at the landscape, it's pretty dry and des- desolate. And we think to ourselves, how can anyone, how can anything live here? I said that when I was living in the Inland Empire. We were going, driving through the Indian Wells Valley. We were on our way to the eastern Sierras. And I just looked out at this landscape and I think, how can anybody live there? And then, lo and behold, <laughs> this is where God called me, and God is in the desert. Amen, Church. Amen. But for these wanderers, it's a desert wasteland, and uh, it's just reflective of the Christian life, the journey that God uh, has us on. There are times where circumstances come into our lives, and and we get. Distracted, we get thrown off course and uh, through circumstances, uh, conflict, a pandemic, uh, relationships that get our attention. um, We lose our way. We lose our focus and life can become desolate and it it. There will be a period of time where we just can't get any relief, or we don't seem to find any relief. You know, this desert wilderness that we sometimes go through leads to times of loneliness or grief, where our, our soul, our inner person, just seems to to faint. We go tired. We grow weary. We, we think to ourselves, how can we go on? And this is the picture that the psalmist is painting for the children of Israel. It's painting for us this morning, this period of hopelessness and helplessness. You find yourself there this morning? I've been there. God has a word for you this morning. But before we finish that first picture, let's go on to the second picture. The second picture is in verses 10 through 16. And let's begin with verse 10. Some sat sat in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Uh, the first picture was a desert wanderer, and the, the second picture is a person who sits in prison. Verse 11, For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. <laughs> who bowed their hearts down with hard labor? God did. He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress, and he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. The second word picture is the person who sits It could be a physical prison, but most likely it's a spiritual or emotional period, prison. And they are held captive. It's described as darkness. It's described in verse 10, uh, uh, prisoners who are in, or, or some sat in darkness in the shadow of death. It describes those who, who, not, who are not only tired, but they don't want to live anymore. They're done. They're ready for God to take them home. They sit in the shadow of death, and for these in this text, it's because of wrong choices that they have made. Verse eleven, for. They have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. These wounds are self-inflicted. They have been rebellious. And they sit in a prison of darkness. Have you been there this morning? Are you there this morning? I've been there. This is the word picture that the psalmist is giving us. And again, oftentimes it's an emotional prison. Maybe it's not something that you've done. Maybe, it's, maybe your prison of darkness is not self-inflicted. Maybe you've been listening to the lies of the enemy. And you've been believing the eyes of the enemy, or being discouraged and driven by the uh, the the, uh, the words of the enemy, or or the ways of this world. Church, I can get really depressed if I'm not focused on the Word of God and what the truth says. I can watch news. I can look at current events. And I can find myself in an emotional prison, (laughs) not wanting to go on. Uh, The darkness that we see in this world, that we feel and that can control our thoughts and our mind. God doesn't want us to be there. God doesn't want us to be listening to the lies of the enemy. He wants us to be filled with his truth. Knowing that He's in control. He is sovereign. And God is in control of this text too. The Bible says, so He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. How often does that happen in your life? Where you've wandered, you've, you've rebelled, and uh, life just becomes hard. Church, God is trying to get our attention. He is our hope. He is our guide. He is our deliverer. He is our life, and we need to hang on to the words of the psalmist in verses one and two. And so, but for this, for this person, they've been going through the school of hard knocks because of their rebellion. And they have found themselves in hard labor. But what happens? They cry out for help. Verse 13, And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bond, bonds apart. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but again, this is the picture that the psalmist is painting. So there's the desert wanderer. There's the person who's sitting in prison in darkness. And then uh, verses 17 through 22, we see the ward of illness. Let's begin with verse 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, And they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and he delivered them from their destruction. This is the person, this is the picture of a person who has fallen ill. um, And uh, not every illness is caused by sin, okay? Some are self-inflicted, uh, but, and, but for these, they have just found themselves in illness and, and affliction. They have poisoned themselves, and their bodies, their physical bodies are hurting. They are groaning. <clears throat> You find yourself this morning uh, in that circumstance where where illness has gotten the best of you. I, I remember when I was going through all my back trouble and I was just I had constant chronic pain. There were days where I would be in the office and. I would be trying to talk to people, and and I couldn't stand. It was painful to stand, and so I had to conduct my conversation with people with lying on the floor. That's when the pain would, I would find relief. But here we see in this passage of Scripture that uh, there are those who are sick, and they are in need of a physician. Physician. And what do they do? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And verse 19, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. I wish I could say that everyone who cried out to the Lord would receive a physical healing, that God would remove that. But that may not necessarily happen on this side of heaven. And if it's God's will for your life, that your deliverance is to means to be transitioned to a new home, a new addre- address, my friend, that is the greatest deliverance. That is the greatest blessing. And I can can assure you this morning, God is going to deliver you one way or another. That is our hope through the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to be observing the Lord's Supper this morning. Had Jesus not resurrected from the grave, church, we would be all hopelessly lost this morning. Jesus' life and death would not have forgiven us of our sin because the resurrection proves that what Jesus said, who he said he was, is true. We need both his crucifixion and his resurrection. And my friend, if Jesus lives today, and he does, just know That if your life is in Christ and you take your last breath here, so too will you be with him. So too will you live for all eternity when you take your next breath in heaven itself. This is our hope for Christians. But here in verses 17 through 22, we see the person who is sick. And then in verses 23 through 32 we see uh, the storm-tossed sailor. Let's look at verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea, they mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like a drunken, like drunken men and were at their wits end. <laughs> you find yourself at your wits end this morning. Guess what? Psalm 107 is for you. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. You find your life like that uh, storm stricken sailor this morning, just tossed to and fro? I remember a men's ministry event years ago where we went on a deep sea fishing trip. It wasn't a very successful trip. Few caught fish. In fact, there were a lot of people who boarded that boat with me on that trip that I didn't see until the end of the fishing trip because the waters were so stormy. They were down in the bottom of the boat, sicker than a dog. And uh, if you didn't struggle with seasickness and you were up uh, on the top of the boat, those waves were humongous. I don't know why we went out on that trip that day. The, the owner of that boat should have canceled that trip, but we were out on those waters and there were, John Gilliland remembers this, John was one of the few men I saw the whole trip, but... Um, Uh, There there were waves that were 15 feet higher than the back of the boat. And then we would go over a wave and then we would be on top of it. We were on a roller coaster the entire time. Is your spiritual life like that this morning? Where your life seems to be just tossed to and fro This passage is for you. Now, what does God say in verse 25? Verse 25 says this For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and then they went down to the depths. That described that fishing trip. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. Who brought the storm? Who's God of the storm? Our Heavenly Father. You know, He is the producer of storms. Some are, he ordains, some are self-inflicted, but you know what? God is sovereign over each and every one of them. Now, I know that we would much prefer thinking of a God who calms the storm. And from this text, he calms the storm. He brings peace. But he also causes the storms as well. My friend, God is sovereign, and we may, must take God at his word. Yes. In knowing this truth, in believing this truth, will help you, will help you get through the storm. You won't get angry at him. You won't flee from him. You'll trust him. Because he is there. These people, in this particular painting, were at their wit's end. But that could describe the desert wanderer. That can describe the person sitting in prison in darkness. In the shadow of death, that can per- describe the person who is struggling with health matters right now as it does the person who finds himself in the storm. But in each of these pictures, they paint a clear purpose. It leads us to the end of ourselves we need to come to our wits ends so that we realize that it's not our natural ability that's going to deliver us there's only one who can deliver and that is god himself what are storms meant to produce What are each of these word pictures meant to produce? Prayer. Crying out to God for help. help. There's only one way out, and it is up through God himself. We need something beyond ourselves who will deliver us, and that is God who is sovereign church over all of it, who is using each of these scenarios to make you more like his son and to glorify him. We need to pray. And what do we need to pray? (laughs) It doesn't have to be an exhaustive prayer. It doesn't have to be a theological, wordy prayer. You can just say, help! Because that's what the psalmist is describing here. In verse 6, let's look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. You notice a pattern? (laughs) This is a song. This is a hymn. Okay? There's been four different stanzas. And this is the chorus. They cry to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Does anybody have a word of testimony this morning? We all have a story of how God has delivered us when he, we have cried out for help. My friend, never forget that. Forget that. His steadfast love endures forever, He is always there. And so, God through each of these word pictures wants to bring us to our knees in prayer and in fresh dependence upon him. We need to have that kind of intense prayer life. How many have prayed that kind of intense prayer this morning? God help. Can I see hands this morning? You've prayed that prayer? Yeah. I've prayed that prayer. And my friend, God has, God delivered. God delivered from one of my greatest fears of the possibility of losing one of my children. He delivered with their health. But some for some of you, God has delivered by taking them home. But praise God even in that deliverance and as painful as that is. Oh, the hope that we have in Christ that one day there's going to be a sweet reunion for all eternity. Ralph Smith experienced that when his wife Betty had passed away about 12 years ago. It was difficult for Ralph. He loved his wife. But there's a sweet reunion today that is never going to end because of Christ. The result of prayer is in verses 29 and 30 and, and uh, the other pictures as well. But let me read verses 29 and 30. 29 says, He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed and then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works to the children of man. He calmed the storm. The bringer of the storm is the calmer of the storm. And so we see Peace and gladness in deliverance. And we also see praise. Okay, so let's go back and let's look at verses 8. Begin with verse 8. This is what the psalmist says. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Church, this is our responsibility. Let them thank thank the lord for his steadfast love look at verse 15 verse 15 says let them thank the lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man do you see a pattern here again verse 22 and then and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy Verse 23, some went down, okay, I'm sorry, verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and the psalmist adds, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. This isn't just speaking about you as an individual believer, but this is, speaking about us as a congregation, as a church. Yes, God has delivered us individually, but collectively we are to come together and to give him thanks for his steadfast love and sing songs of joy to him. And then in verses 31 and 32, the Bible says, Then let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the, the assembly of the elders. There is praise after the storm. We praise him individually in the, in the quietness of our own heart, but we praise God in the assembly of the of the believers as well. Church, it is important. It is critical to your spiritual life that we come together as God's people to sing his praises, to describe his deliverances in our life. God intends for it to be this way. You need the church You need Jesus, but you need God's people. I love to barbecue with briquettes. What happens when you barbecue with briquettes? How do you get those briquettes hot? You put them in a pile, don't you? And then you put some heat to it, and uh, you just let them stay there together, and they just... Get hot together. You, you 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 throw a little flame on it first. You give a little help. But then after a while, the flame dies. But that heat is still there. And as they're together, those briquettes get hotter and hotter and hotter. What happens if you take one of those briquettes after it's become hot and you set it off to the side? What, have you never barbecued before? I know we all live in California, okay? But... We do barbecue. What happens when you set one aside? It cools down. But what's happening with the rest of the pile? It's staying hot, isn't it? That briquette who that's isolated itself, it needs the rest of the briquettes. That's what God intended for the church. That it's God's people that we come together. I read this quote this morning on Facebook. It's a a wonderful tool to to learn about theology, but uh, this is what this meme said. Watching church on a live stream is like watching a fireplace on a screen. You see it, but you don't feel the warmth. I think COVID... Has made a lot of us lazy. You know, it's if we don't get ready this morning, you know, it's real easy just to turn on the TV, go online, and we can we can sit there on the couch in our pajamas, drinking our hot coffee and enjoying the worship service. My friend, that's not what God intends. For if you're in town, if you're in town. You ought to be here because this encourages your spiritual life. Now, I know that there are some. Bless God, we are praying for you. It is impossible for you to come to the church. I, I know the Turners and, and Sybil, you're together at uh, Alan and Linda's house right now, and you're enjoying this service. Uh, online. You're grateful for this service online. I am thankful that we can provide this for those who are ill. We have some couples who are experiencing COVID right now. Praise God, it's not real serious, but they don't feel good, and they can experience this at home. So I'm thankful that we can provide this service for our homebound, like Uh, Jeannie Copeland, physically she can't be here this morning, but she watches us faithfully online. and, and, uh, And Jeannie, hello, we're praying for you. We love you. We love all of you. But if nothing is ailing you, church, you need to be in God's house. This is what God intended for our spiritual life The Bible says in verse 31, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Verse 32, Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That's our responsibility. I'm grateful for Levi who led us this morning as as we worshiped our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Deliverer. <laughs> this is God's will for our life. Go to church. And then we read in verses uh, 32 and 33 and beyond what God does towards those who are obedient as well as those who are disobedient. Verse 33 says, he turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water and parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. God is the God of both scenarios. For those who are rebellious and those who are obedient. All for the purpose that we might continue to be dependent upon him and give him all the praise and the glory for his providential watch care, his steadfast love that endures forever. There's even steadfast love in discipline. God disciplines his own. (laughs) And if he has disciplined you because of your disobedience, he's disciplining you, not because he doesn't love you, but he loves you. He wants you to be in obedience to him. His steadfast love endures forever. Verses 1 and two. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. And so our invitation uh, to you this morning is if you find yourself in one of those pictures, come home. And if you have found yourself in one of those pictures and he he has delivered you, my friend, Praise him, give him thanks and glory for who he is. His steadfast love will never run dry and nothing can separate you from that love. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, my friend, for you this morning, Your step of obedience is crying out to him for your salvation. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to break the chains of sin and darkness and death, bring you to his kingdom of light if you have never made that decision my friend you are without hope this morning your only prayer is god to save you to rescue you to deliver you deliver you may this be your time of salvation don't leave here without him So we're going to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. My friend, if you are here this morning, if you need prayer this morning, you find yourself in one of those scenarios. Elders are here. We'll be in the dining hall. We want to pray for you. God's here to help. And if you're here this morning without Christ, don't leave here without him. We'd love to share with you the good news of what Christ has done for you. But as we sing, I surrender all, let's prepare ourselves in remembering what God has done for us through the cross and through the empty tomb. Would you stand with me, please? As I pray, father, thank you for this time of invitation. Lord, I know the hour's late I believe you've, you are speaking to hearts. Lord, there, there are people both here and watching online who are struggling. And God, you know they are struggling. And your desire for their life is to cry out to you. God, may they cry out to you the words help. And in your, steadfast love that endures forever. God, you hear that prayer. And we thank you for that. Bless this time of invitation. Move in people's hearts. Prepare our hearts for the supper this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.